Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to the 12th lesson in this series on the sciences of the Quran. We start off with a recitation of one portion of the Quran. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هو الذي أنزل عليك الكتاب منه آيات محكمات هن أم الكتاب وأخر متشابهات فأما الذين في قلوبهم زيغ فيتبعون ما تشابه منه ابتغاء الفتنة وابتغاء تأويله وما يعلم تأويله إلا الله والراسخون في العلم يقولون آمنا به كل من عند ربنا وما يذكر إلا أولو الألباب صدق الله العظيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم We start off today the 12th regarding um, a discussion about al-nasikh, uh, well uh, actually al-muhkam. We start off today's discussion with muh- the muhkam and the mutashabih. Right, so we start off today's discussion with the muhkam and the mutashabih. Uh, we had one aspect of modern tafsirs left, contemporary tafsirs, and a discussion about that just like we discussed some of the other types of tafsirs. But I'm going to... Uh, defer that particular topic to some days later inshallah that's why we're going to start off uh, we're going to move on to some other aspects of the Quran right that are more fundamental aspects the muhkam and the mutashabih the muhkam and the mutashabih is represented by one important verse in the Quran which I just recited I will shortly explain it and translate it to you but the idea in brief just so that you know where we are is there are verses in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said are muhkam and there are other verses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said are mutashabih. So in the verse in Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually says that some verses are mutashabih and some verses are muhkam. What does muhkam and mutashabih mean? So let's first do a literal analysis, a linguistic analysis of it first, so that we get some idea and then we'll move on to what those could mean and what do we do about them. So firstly, the word muhkam comes from the, uh, from the word ihkam. Ihkam in Arabic, Al-Ihkam, and Ihkam in other words is Al-Itqan Al-Baligh, that's what Ihkam means, what does that mean? Uh, Ihkam essentially means Ahkam al-Shay, Atqan al-Shay, to make something firm, to solidify something, to make something solid, to strengthen something, um, to do something well, that's another one, um, to do something expertly, in an expert manner. And lastly, it can also mean to master something, right? Uh, to make something clear, that's another meaning as well that you could take from here, though that's not the literal meaning here. So it could mean that something that is done so well that it's uh, like when you do ihkam of a building. You know, when a building is muhkam, it means that it's a solid building and there's no weakness in it. You can't see any shortcomings and any flaws and any weakness in it. That's muhkam, the solid, the firm the clear, you could give it that, those kind of meanings. The opposite, the mutashabih, that comes from the concept of, literally speaking, uh, shabbaha, shabbaha, shibhun, which 
essentially means a similarity between two things, a resemblance. So when you're saying that this is shibhu hadha, this resembles this, this is like this, right? This is similar to this. It's a similarity between two things. So mutashabe means something mutually similar to one another. That's kind of the idea you get. So these things, they generally refer to things that are confusing because this looks very similar to this. Which one is it? Is it this? Is it that? What's going on here? So it's the word mutashabih and mushtabih in Arabic then, right? Uh, coming from that word means something that is complicated, something that is unclear, something that is a bit obscure, something that may be a riddle. So that's kind of the meaning. There's some other Arabic words as well that you can use in this same kind of meaning of ambiguity, right? Is the word mushkil. Mushkil. Mushkil also means something that creates a doubt in your mind. Is it really like that or not? A bit confusing. That kind of a meaning is going on. And thirdly, there's another term we can use which is mubham. Mubham means unclear, not sure. These are, you can say, different levels of that concept of something being similar uh, and, and, and so on. All right. So, let's see how the Quran has used and explained these words first to try to understand the main verse that I read from Surah Ali Imran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the beginning of Surah Hud, Allah says, ألف لام را كتاب أحكمت آياته ثم فصلت من لدن حكيم خبير ألا تعبدوا إلا الله إنني لكم منه نذير وبشير ألف لام را كتاب This is a book Now remember with nearly all of the ألف لام را The حروف مقطعات as we call them Right, the Alif Lam Ra Taseen Yaseen. There's always a discussion about the Quran after it. So he says, Allah says, Kitabun Uhkimat. This is a book. Uhkimat Ayatu, whose verses have been made muhkam. Now clearly here it refers to all the verses. So Allah has used the concept of muhkam for all the verses, describing all the verses. Yet in the other verse, Allah says, Some are muhkam and some are mutashabi. But here in this verse of Surah Hud, all the verses are muhkam. Thumma fussilat. Then they've been detailed from the one who's wise and all-knowing that you do not worship anybody but Allah and I am for you a warner and a giver of glad tidings. So, in this case, kitabun uhkimat, kitabun uhkimat, made firm, actually is in the meaning of um, solid, mastered, in the sense of noble, uh, majestic, that these this is a book whose verses are majestic, are honorable, are dignified, are a matter of great honor. All of this kind of meaning is comes into this and uh, it is something that no shortcoming and discrepancy can ever come to this book. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies that in another place where Allah says, La no falsehood can approach it, no falsehood can approach it or affect it, either from in front of it or behind it, meaning in any way whatsoever. So that's a verse that we have where the word muhkam is used for all the verses in a different meaning. Then we have the word mutashabih. 
Again, let's look at a verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Zumar, uh, in Surah Al-Zumar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 23, Allahu nazzala ahsan al-hadithi kitaban mutashabihan mathani taqashairu minhu juludu al-lazina yakshawna rabbahum thumma talinu juluduhum wa quluubuhum ila zikrillah. Now what that means is Allah has sent down Ahsan al-Hadith, the most beautiful discourse, referring to the Quran. Kitaban mutashabihan, a book which is co-similar, a book which has many, many similar parts to it. So Musa al-Islam's story is mentioned here, it's mentioned again here. There's going, you're going to find a lot of similarities in the Quran as opposed to discrepancies. So that's what mutashabih is used for here. The whole Quran that you're going to find something else uh, within the Quran like it, the ideas in the Quran, they're going to corroborate one another. So the all the entire Quran is being now called mutashabih, but in another sense of the word, in another linguistic sense of the word, which means co-similar. In, uh, you can say in its most basic meaning, which means being similar to one another. And then Allah says mathani, which means paired. Uh, paired, which means that there are a lot, lots of pairs mentioned, uh, uh, found in the Quran. Takshairu minhu rabbahum, wherewith quivers the skin of those who fear their Lord. When they read the Quran and they see these amazing things inside, it affects them, right? And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it as. Then their skin and their heart soften unto the remembrance of God. So that's what the Quran is supposed to do for us. It is supposed to soften us out and it is supposed to make us the perfect human being. So the Quran, Allahu Akbar, Mutashabian here means it is so eloquent and so beautifully laid out that it's co-similar to one another. That's the whole Quran is like that. However, when the scholars of the Quran, the Quranic sciences, when they discuss mutashabi, that this verse is mutashabi and this verse is muhkam, they don't mean these meanings generally. These are the literal meanings, right? Which Allah has used in the Quran for all the verses. So all the verses according to those two meanings are mutashabi and are also muhkam. However, the, the main verse that we're going to look at, which discusses it more in a technical sense, is this verse which I read at the beginning. So I'll read it bit by bit and explain it to you. So listen to this carefully. So this is in the beginning of Surah Ali Imran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the one who has revealed upon you the book. Right? He's revealed the Quran to you. Minhu, from among the Quran, from among the verses of the Quran, are ayatum muhkamat, are verses which are muhkam. Here I would translate this as, for the most part, clear. These verses are clear, unambiguous, right? Very easy to understand the meaning of it, the signification of it. There's no doubt about what it means. It's not a homonym, and so on and so forth. Hunna ummul kitab. These are the main verses of the book. These are the mother of the book, literally speaking. They're the main principal verses of the book. But there are other verses which are mutashabihat. Here we will translate mutashabihat in the technical sense of ambiguous, unclear. We can't know the meaning straight away. It's difficult to know the meaning straight away. Now, if you, if you carry on with the verse, it'll get, become a bit more clearer. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ زَيْغٌ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْ Those with deviance in their heart, crookedness in their heart, they go and pursue 
the ambiguous verses. For what? In order to search for uh, temptation, for fitna, for mischief, and to in which means to search for its interpretation. Okay, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to be looking for interpretation in the Quran? So what's wrong with it? Okay, the first part, they're looking for mischief. Okay, that we can see is a problem. But looking for its interpretation, what's wrong with an inter- interpretation? So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses. He says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Nobody knows the interpretation of them except Allah. Those are some verses in the Quran. The majority are muhkam. But the mutashabi are those unclear ones, ambiguous ones, which nobody knows the meaning of it except Allah. So if only Allah knows the meaning, now you can understand why it's crooked. People with crookedness in their heart that go and try to find even the meaning of that, trying to cause mischief. And Because the way it's going to be mischief, the idea is that if nobody but Allah knows its meaning and somebody's going to claim a meaning, then it means that they are, they're, they're claiming a meaning. That means it's not the meaning that Allah has intended. So that's how it causes corruption and a problem. Alright, let's carry on. Then it says, وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ Those who are firmly grounded in knowledge, like those who are, know their knowledge well, they say, آمَنَّا بِهِ We believe in it. كُلٌّ مِّنْ عِنْدِ رَبِّنَا It's all from Allah. Whether we understand it or not, we know it's all from Allah. This entire Qur'an is from Allah. Just because something is unclear and we can't understand it does not mean it's not from Allah. وَمَا يَذَّكَّرُ إِلَّا أُولُو الْأَلْبَابِ And it's only the people with intellect that are go- the people with the hearts and intellect that are going to take heed or take a lesson from this. That's interesting. So that's what this verse means. So now what the Quran has done, why another place said all the verses are muhkam, all the verses are mutashabih. That was used in a different sense. Muhkam in the sense that they're all elegant, they're all beautiful, they're all majestic. And mutashab in the sense that you'll find lots of similarities in the Quran. But in this verse of Surah Ali Imran, which actually is the verse that introduces those two concepts and splits up the verses into the two parts, majority of verses are muhkam, they're the main part of the Quran, they're firm, they're clear, and the other verses, there's some ambiguous verse. For example, do you know what Alif Lam means? Do you know what noon means? And then there's some other... Uh, so those are quite clear to understand. Alif, la, meem, uh, saad, qaf, taseen, taseen, meem, ha, meem, ayn, seen, qaf. That, you know, the, the meaning of that is very ambiguous and you can't understand. I'll explain the reasoning for that later on for you. But there are also other verses that are muhkam, which will be, uh, sorry, mutashabi that we'll be discussing. Now, that... Um, tells us some verses are muhkam, some verses are mutashabih. But it doesn't tell you, it doesn't define it for us. The Quran does not define it for us as to what exactly is the muhkam and what exactly, which ones are the mutashabih. That's why there are about, I don't know, 12, 15 opinions on this as to what is muhkam and what is mutashabih. There's about 12 to 15 opinions on this. However, we would say that um, today, uh, tomorrow I'll discuss some of the other opinions on this. Uh, that they actually, there's there's really only two or three really 
most important opinions out of all of them all the others can be seen as coming back into them so i'm not going to discuss that today today i'm just going to take one of the opinions that we want to go with today to understand the bulk of this issue then maybe tomorrow we will discuss some of the additional points but today i want to just bring to you one uh, clarification or sorry one definition which is from great imam uh, muhaddith whose name was imam tibi he says the muhkam is the following al-wadihu هو الواضح المعنى الذي لا يتطرق إليه إشكال. The muhkam are those verses uh, to which there can be no uh, no confusion, right? They are the clear verses. They are the very apparent and clear verses of the Quran in which there can be no no doubt about its meaning. For example, أقيم الصلاة establish prayer. Uh, I keep bringing those examples, right? وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْمَحِيدِ Sorry, um, you can say الطَّلَاقُ مَرَّتَانِ Talaq is to be given first up to two times and so on. These are very, very clear verses. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَاهُ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ All of these are very, very straightforward verses. There's no doubt about what they mean. والمتشابه then he says is هو الذي طرأ عليه خفاء في المعنى في المعنى المراد منه the متشابه then are those verses in which there's some ambiguity there's a bit of a concealment regarding the intended meaning what is the intended meaning here so now you can see from these definitions it's a very very general kind of definition but that is broadly speaking that's what متشابه and محكم are Okay, as I said, because uh, while this is a very general kind of definition, as I said, there's lots of opinions as to what that refers to, what the clear ones refer to, and what the ambiguous ones refer to. And the reason for that difference of opinion uh, are quite a few as to where this, because the way to figure out what this means can only be from the verses of the Quran or from the, or from the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now let us look at the verse again. Okay. Now I translated it for you bit by bit. The way I read it for you, it was very clear that it's only those people who are, have crookedness that follow, uh, that pursue those verses which are ambiguous. Let me find out what Alif Lam means. I think it means this. You know, uh, in order to um, in order uh, to search for mischief and to search its interpretation. Whereas nobody knows its interpretation except Allah and the, those firm in knowledge, they would say that we just believe in them. They're all from Allah. There's a separation between those two ideas. Those firm in knowledge, they're saying that we can't know their meaning, but we believe in it. And um, it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's our reading. That's the way most have read, read this verse. So they say they say that there's no way that you could actually uh, figure out the meaning of the mutashabih. Right. So I mean I know there's a question that arises here that I want to just quickly put to rest quickly. Is some of you may be questioning then what's the point of those verses in the Quran? I remember maybe the first time I heard about this like what's the point of such verses in the Quran then? If Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wanted to send the Quran as a guidance, as a guide. And clear and clear speech and everything, then why leave some verses which are ambiguous, right? Why leave some which are ambiguous? There's lots of reasons for that. Uh, a basic reason I'll provide for now is that remember the Quran 
came down at a time when everybody was really uh, competing with one another and reveling at wonderful language and beautiful language and their understanding of the Arabic language. Arabic language was a big deal. So now what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that I am, re I am revealing this Quran to you but let me start with Alif Lam Mim. Do you guys know what the meaning of it? They're just three letters of your language that you have so much pride in that you know you think you know this language so well and you can use it so well. Tell me what's the meaning of Alif Lam Mim. Tell me what's the meaning of Sad, Noon, Qaf, Wal Quran Al Majid. What's the meaning of it? What is the meaning of Yasin, Taha? What's the meaning of that? They don't know the meaning. They're beaten, completely beaten. Allah will reveal it on the day of judgment. That could be one wisdom in why He's left it like that. Another, another, another reason for that is that these are specific. Uh, some have said that these are. Uh, special messages to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and only the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knows its meaning uh, nobody else knows its meaning these were just specific uh, direct messages and again it's to prove that nobody else it could prove that nobody else knows its meaning so nobody can claim they know everything right so it, it's a humbling factor you can call it that's one big reason that they provide we'll talk about some other stuff later but now let's get back to this now as I the way I explain this verse of Surah Ali Imran for you right it's uh, one of the beginning verses. You can check it up yourself. It's generally on the first page of Surah Al-Imran. Okay. Um, the way we read it was only Allah knows their meaning. And the people who are firmly grounded in knowledge, if anybody else knew it, it'd be the people firmly grounded in knowledge. They just say, we believe in it. Now, there's another way of reading this. Uh, there's another way of reading this, that the wow, which can be referred to as and, right, which means and, so, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Nobody knows its interpretation except Allah. وَالرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ If you connect that, uh, the, meaning and those who are firmly ground knowledge, if you connect that to the previous part and not make it a separate clause, as a separate sentence, as an initiating sentence, then it would mean this. And none know its interpretation except Allah and those who are firmly ground knowledge. Which means now, Allah knows its meaning, and those who are from ground knowledge, they also know the meaning after making effort to understand it, they can get the knowledge of it. That gives an understanding that they can get an interpretation of it. It is possible. It is possible. And then, يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِهِ And they, they say, we, we believe in it. That's just an additional, you know, while they're also saying, we believe in it regardless, you know, whether we understand it or not. But they can gain an understanding of it. And it's all from our Lord anyway. There are two valid ways of reading this. But the majority have gone with the first reading, which is the rasikhuna fil ilm, they don't know about it. They don't have the meaning of it, right? They don't know the meaning of it. And why do we give that meaning preference when they're both possible meanings here? That the way you can read it is the following. There's a hadith which is related uh, from uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas anhu. It's, now, he's a mufassir of the Qur'an, right? If there's anybody who's going to know the meaning of this, it should be Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu. This is a hadith related from him from, uh, by Imam Abdul Razak and Imam Hakim in his mustadrak that Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, explained, he says, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ تَأْوِيلَهُ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَيَقُولُ الرَّاسِخُونَ فِي الْعِلْمِ آمَنَّا بِهِ He separated it out completely. So there's no possibility of joining those together. He says, what this means is that none but Allah know its interpretation. And those who are firmly grounded in knowledge say, 
right? That we believe in it. He separated it out completely. And this is a Sahih Isnad to him. This is a Sahih authenticated um, chain to this great Mufassir of the Quran that Warrasikhun in the Quran is separate. It's a separate point that they don't know the meaning and they just say, Allah knows best, you know, and Allah knows the meaning of it. And the other thing is this that in our religion, in our faith, uh, our faith is based on unseen, many unseen realities. So if somebody is going to say, why don't we know the meaning of this? Well, why don't we know the meaning of, why can't we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why can't we see paradise and hell? Allah is mentioned in the Quran, but you know, we can't see paradise and hell. So, الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ That's one of the first verses we read in the Quran, in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, that sets us apart from everyone else, that we believe in unseen realities as well. That's what makes a believer a believer. Without believing in unseen realities, a believer is not a believer. Now, some have said, right, and maybe we'll just go with this view for the time being. Uh, there's many who've said that, you know, the disagreement here between the two groups is actually not, um, the disagreement here is actually not uh, a substantial difference. It's just semantic difference. How? I mean, it sounds like a big difference of opinion. Some saying that, um, you absolutely cannot understand the mutashabi, and the others saying that you can. Some people can understand the mutashabi. How can that just be uh, a difference of words, right? There must be a substantial difference. Well, it depends on how you take it. First, you have to define what are the mutashabi. Right now, it would depend on what is the mutashabi. First, let's determine what the mutashabi. Then we can wonder: Do we know the meaning of it or not? Then we can argue about that. So. That's why what it is, is that those who say that uh, he, uh, nobody but Allah can know the mutashabih, right? Only Allah knows the mutashabih. They would include in the mutashabih things like when is the day of judgment to occur? When is the jal going to emerge? What is the reality of all of these other universes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has discussed in the Quran? What's the reality of these things? They're saying all of these things are mutashabihat. Only Allah knows their meaning. Nobody else can claim to know the meaning. Yes, lots of people claim that they know when Dajjal is going to be coming out. In, you know, in my life, in the last, I would say, 25 years, I've heard so many opinions that it's going to come out in this time and look at this sign is here, but it's not come out yet. And I don't think it's going to come out for a while. That's why we need to just focus about our own death and to prepare ourselves for our own death without worrying about... We have to worry about the Jan in the sense that if he comes, we need to be aware. But we don't have to think that that's going to happen in the next year or so, right? Anyway, that's a separate point. So these people have included these kind of ideas and realities within the mutashabe. So obviously... Uh, the other group are not going to disagree with them in this case either, are they? They're, 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 nobody knows when the Day of Judgment is going to occur. The signs, of course, but nobody knows exactly when it's going to occur. Nobody knows when Dajjal is going to come out. Only Allah knows that. So when you include ideas like that, concepts like that, which nobody can ever know about, then they both would agree on that point. Now, those who then say that the Rasikhina fil ilm, the firmly grounded people in knowledge, they can know, they won't include these things in mutashabi in the first place. They're saying, oh, that's just a separate unknown. That's not an ambiguity. That's just unknown. That's a separate category. Right? And the, un, uh, and the ambiguous ideas, they can be known by the firmly grounded people in knowledge. 
right? But that won't be the concepts like the Day of Judgment because those are beyond. They're, they're only what Allah knows. But there are other aspects. Some have reduced it to a semantic difference by saying that, oh, this is what their difference is. Because it's very difficult to get a clear understanding of this difference of opinion otherwise. Okay? There's another aspect as well that kind of muddies the water of the mutashabi, which is already confusing, is that what does ta'wil mean? Because if we're to look at this verse, it says, none knows it. I translated it as interpretation, but that's my translation. The wording is, none knows it's ta'wil except Allah. And the firmly grounded ones in knowledge, you know, you can read that in both ways if you want to, right? Uh, in, in, with both options. But ta'wil here, what does ta'wil mean? Now, we already explained ta'wil to you a few days ago, that it generally means interpretation, to seek a meaning of something. Right, based on its wording and so on. However, let's look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word in the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse, قبل, and so on. What surah is that in? Which surah is that in Yusuf? Okay, figure it out and let me know. Okay, when you're sure. So, let me translate it. It says, Are they just waiting for its ta'wil? Surah Al-A'raf. So this is Surah Al-A'raf then. Right, as my assistants are telling me. So, are they just waiting for its ta'wil? The day its ta'wil comes, then those who had made it to be forgotten before will say, and so on. Here, ta'wil actually means reality. So ta'wil here doesn't mean interpretation. So the word ta'wil is also used in another meaning in the Quran. Now, some of you may start appreciating why it's not easy to do tafsir of the Quran. Right? Something which might seem to be like a clear linguistic meaning that you know, in that particular context, it means something else. That's why the Quran is difficult and that's why not everybody can do a, you know, like a, a deep tafsir. Um, yeah, there's some parts which are easily understood, but there's other parts that people can make mistakes and that's why one has to be careful because the word ta'wil here does not mean interpretation. It means reality. So, if we take that meaning of ta'wil as used like that in the Qur'an in another place, right? Sorry if this is getting a bit complicated, right? Um, uh, if we take that meaning of reality and you apply it to the verse in Surah Ali Imran, none knows its reality except Allah. And the rasikhuna fil ilm, they, you know, uh, whether they know or not, you, you can read it in both ways. You see... If you do say that that ta'wil there also means reality, then that is very, very clear that the rasikhuna fil ilm cannot know the ta'wil of those things, of those verses. Because there's a reality there and the reality of things only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. We only know what its interpretation is or what you get from it, but the original reality, nobody can know it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't think anybody disagrees with that idea. If you take um, nobody... But Allah knows its ta'wil, i.e. knows its reality, because only Allah knows the realities of things. Okay. However, if you don't take ta'wil in that meaning of reality, but you actually take it in the meaning of tafsir, of explanation, interpretation, 
then uh, you know you have scope to that because Allah has used it in that meaning in another place. For example, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Nabitna bi ta'wili, inna naraka min al-wahsimin." Nabitna bi ta'wili. Inform us of its interpretation. Inform us of its interpretation. So the word ta'wil has been used for interpretation in another place in the Quran, and it's also been used for haqiqa, for reality. So that why, that's why both of these meanings couldn't be intended here as well. That's why the verse itself seems to become mutashabih almost in a sense and obscure in its meaning. Right. Now, today, uh, in the short time that we have left, I'm just going to take one aspect of the mutashabih. There's, as I said, many categories of the like the Arif Lami and so on. We'll discuss that hopefully a bit more tomorrow. But today I want to take just one subject of the mutashabih, and that is the not the Alif Lamim and Tasimim, but uh, something contained in verses. And those are the mutashabih as-sifat, the characteristics about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that are difficult to understand. Okay, They create a bit of a conundrum, a bit of uh, vagueness as to what exactly is it referring to. And what it is, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ there is nothing like Allah. Like there is absolutely nothing similar to Allah. There's nothing similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing can be like Allah. Allah is totally unique and different to anything that we know. And He is the all-listening and He's the all-seeing. So we've got that as a principle, right? That nothing can be like Allah. I think this is an agreed upon principle that nothing can be like, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's absolutely unique and different. And there's nothing that resembles Him. Right? And we know that from other verses, other hadith and so on. But that's the main verse there. Now when you say that, when, 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 we, when we know about this verse, but then we've got a number of other verses. For example, Allah says, Allah's hand is above their hands. This is referring to the bay'ah, right? when they took the pledge. As it Hudaybiyah, I think, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when they took the pledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with them. Allah's hand is above their hands. The hand of Allah. Allah is supposed to be different. Allah is supposed to be without body, without all of that stuff that humans, you know, are made of. So how can he be using the word hand here? Right? Now, can you see the ambiguity that creeps in, especially when you know the other verse that Allah is unlike unto anything else? So what does that mean? Another verse, Ar-Rahmanu ala al-Arsh istawa The most merciful one is doing istiwa on his arsh, on his throne. What does that mean? What does the word istawa mean? Istawa can mean three or four different meanings. So what does istawa mean here? How is Allah doing istiwa on the arsh? How is he established on the arsh? Na'udhu billah, are we saying that he's sitting on his arsh like humans sit on a throne? Right? The word used here is not sitting anyway, right? So alhamdulillah, that's not what it's saying, okay? But there's a doubt created by what is the meaning of this. These are the mutashabihat verses. The proper understanding of it is very difficult to determine, okay? So that's why you can also call them the ayatul sifat. These are the verses about the characteristics of Allah. And there's quite a few of them. Now, in, in approaching them, there are two ways... There are two uh, valid approaches towards this. Uh, and the way you do that is you look at the earliest scholars, like the majority of Sahaba, 
uh, and the tabi'een and so on, the successors. And then after that, you look at the latest scholars. When times changed, they changed their opinion about how to uh, deal with these verses. Okay, that's uh, th this is a this is a very uh, in the last I would say 15 to 20 years this was a major issue that was going around, especially between the Salafis, uh, people who generally followed Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, rahimahullah, and uh, insisted on some of his opinions and so on, and uh, uh, would uh, ask uh, questions like where is Allah and all of this. This was a huge conundrum, right? This was done by a minority. Okay. So this is quite a big issue and a controversial issue in that regard. So I'm going to try to explain it that there are two approaches regarding these verses, how to interpret them. What does it mean by hand of Allah here? And what does it mean that Allah is Mustawi? And then there's other verses as well. That فَأَيْنَمَا تُوَلُّوا فَثَمَّ وَجْهُ اللَّهِ In whichever direction you face, therein you will find the waj, which generally means face of Allah. I mean, what does that mean? That's really complicated. I mean, what do you mean? If we take that physically that the face of Allah, wherever you turn, the face of Allah is there, that, billah, that creates this weird idea that Allah's face is so, you know, uh, everywhere, so big, whatever. I mean, that's just really weird, the, the kind of idea that's created. You can't take this literally. I mean, you just can't take it literally, otherwise it causes a lot of absurdities like that. And then number two, the, verse, the other verses tell us that nothing can be like Allah, so how can you even attribute a face to Him? But Allah has used the word wajhun. Allah has used the word for a face, for a countenance. So what does it mean face here or does it mean another, another meaning? Does it have another meaning? See the ambiguity that's created here. As I said, the mutashabihat were given to human beings as a challenge. Allah told us that, look, there are verses and only uh, there are verses which are going to be obscure and ambiguous. Only those with crookedness in their heart are, are going to go after them, you know, to seek for mischief. So that means that don't go after them. Say I believe in them, as the people firmly grounded in knowledge say. We, it's all from Allah. Allah knows best its meaning. That's essentially what our Salaf, the true Salaf, would actually say. There's a hadith that Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim have transmitted from Aisha radiallahu anha. She says that the Prophet wasallam said regarding this verse, فَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَتَّبِعُونَ مَا تَشَابَهَ مِنْهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ سَمَّ اللَّهِ فَاحْذَرْهُمْ When you see those people who are pursuing the ambiguous verses of the Qur'an, trying to find its meaning and so on, then those are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named, meaning as those with crookedness in their heart. So be careful of them, be warned about them. Then we've got another hadith which Imam, so that one was related by Imam Bukhari and Muslim. Then we've got another hadith which Imam Tabarani has transmitted from Abu Malik al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu that he heard the Prophet sallallahu saying that I do not fear upon my ummah except three problems. So this was one of those hadith where he says there are three problems he's highlighting. I'm just going to mention the first two in the interest of time that wealth will become abundant among them. So wealth will become very easy to attain. And then after that, they will start to envy and be jealous of one another, compete and so on. And then they're going to start to compete and uh, fight with one another. And we see that happening today. right? And number two, the book will be opened up for them. And a believer will take hold of it, trying to seek the interpretation of some of those verses. Whereas Allah, whereas Allah says, Nobody but Allah knows its interpretation, its meaning.
That is exactly what the Sahaba followed. That is what the successes followed after them. They just said, look, we're not going to go into the interpretation of that. Whatever they considered to be mutashabi, obviously there's a difference between as to what exactly which one is a mutashabi, which is not. Right? So th- there are differences. Majority would say that Alif Lam Mim, Alif Lam Ra, Tilka Ayatul, uh, you know, Alif Lam Ra, Yasin, all of those are mutashabi. That's why they've not done interpretation. There is a minority who uh, do say it's not mutashabi. We know its meaning. So that's why from some of the early Mufassirs, we actually have proposals of what Alif Lam Mim could mean. We do have that. Because there's a difference of being as to what? Because Allah doesn't mention which are mutashabi and which are not. He just says there are some which are mutashabi. He does not tell us exactly what's mutashabi. That creates even more amb- ambiguity here. However, the way the Sahaba dealt with those, like for example regarding uh, the hand of Allah and istiwa and everything like that, is that they said, look, it's all from Allah. Allah knows its reality. We do not know its haqiqat and its reality. Only Allah knows its reality because we can't know its reality. How can we know the reality of Allah? In the sense that we, you know, because for reality, you have to have a lot of knowledge. We can't. But at the same time, we're going to say that whatever Allah, uh, whatever is in here that may indicate to somebody uh, that Allah is like human beings, that may pr- uh, create some kind of anthropomorphist idea, a corporealist idea, which means to kind of give human parts to something, right? human ideas, to impute human ideas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are very far from that, we exonerate ourselves from that, and we do tanzi, which basically means that we exonerate Allah from that, that he, that can't be like that, it can't have that kind of a physical meaning, but we leave it to Allah, we're not going to say whether it's reality, uh, haqiqat, majaz, what the meaning is, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows its meaning, that's what we're going to see, and this is essentially um, what has been transmitted from the early, uh, early ones. Um, now, if you look at it rationally, that was looking at it from a, a transmitted sense, that this is what we have found from our earliest generation. Right? Because none of them said that you have to agree with its reality. That's a very dangerous word to say. This is what some claimants today say, that no, you must believe in its reality. How can you believe in the reality of something when you don't know what it is? It's an absurd idea. Somebody said it earlier, now they're just doing taqlid and following that, right? No, there's no reality for this. Uh, if you look at this rationally now, okay, if you look at this rationally, I think I'm just going to leave us with, because our time is nearly up, I, I'm going to leave us with one idea here, okay? Which is that, uh, generally speaking, adults and children use very similar language, okay? But when you speak to children, right, when you speak to children, you use certain words which, subhanAllah, the child understands. But if an adult is watching and he knows that you're speaking to the child, he'll know why you're using those words. Okay? But if he doesn't know you're speaking to a child, he'll be wondering, like, why are you using those words? So, for example, we, what do you say to your children when you're saying, have some milk? Like in Urdu or Gujarati or Bengali or whatever, what do you say? You, you, you have these specific words like, um, have some dudu, right? Instead of saying dud, which means milk, right? Have some milky, you know, I don't know if you say in English, you know. Um, uh, you use, you can say childish kind of language to speak to them. You go down to their level and you speak to them, all right? This is just my interpretation of this. Now, if an adult is observing this, he'll know clearly that 
what this adult is using is words specifically to let the child understand it, to make some sense of it. If this adult who's watching this onlooker, he starts saying that, oh, that means this guy is also a child because he is using those words and these words are used for children. That means he must be a child as well. You're obviously going to say that this guy's crazy to even think that. Can you not see what the, what's going on here? So there's a rational idea here of what these words would mean. So that's why we will look into that in more detail. But when, if you look at the context in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the hand, right, in most of them, in nearly all of them, what it means is just control. Allah has control over them. Allah, or assistance, assistance or control. For example, we say in English so many times, don't worry, he's in my hands. We say, you have to be careful, he's in his hands, which means that he's in his control. Okay, it's a normal thing. Even in English, we use it as a metaphor like that. So why can't it be like that? You see, the problem of the detractors to this, they don't agree with metaphor in the Quran, which is a major omission in the Quran. Uh, there's numerous metaphors in the Quran. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَنْ كَانَ فِي هَذِهِ أَعْمَى فَهُوَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ أَعْمَى وَأَضَلُّ سَبِيلًا If I read this literally and say the reality is intended here, whoever is blind in this world will be blind in the hereafter and even more deviated. Now, poor blind people, I mean, you're causing all of them to be messed up in the hereafter if you're going to go with the real, the literal meaning. Because they're saying that you must go with the literal meaning. But none of the Salaf said literal meaning. There's no single quote from a Salaf that say literal meaning, haqiqat, the way they say it. Right? That's why this needs to be understood heavily that what the earliest scholars said is look, we're not going to go into whether it's a reality or metaphor. We're just going to say it's from Allah. We leave it to Allah. If you look at this from a rational perspective, well, uh, while keeping the Arabic words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used, right, in perspective and their meanings, whether they're literal or metaphorical, metaphorical meanings, then obviously it could mean power, it could mean assistance. The hand of Allah could mean that because we use that like that even in English and in Arabic, we use it like that as well. And likewise, when it says that Allah is mustawin, uh, istiwa on his arsh, that could mean Allah is in control, has authority over the, over the throne. That gives us enough leeway to not say he's sitting on there, which is what uh, people otherwise will think if you try to give it a more literal meaning down there. And you're going to end up creating this weird monster. That's the thing. Because Allah mentions, uh, you know, Allah mentions certain words that uh, there is wherever you face, that is where the wajhun of Allah, the face of Allah is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses some other words. Now, if you try to say, if you try to take them literally, you're going to create a monster out of this, which is highly problematic. So, let, let's, uh, let, uh, later, others, the other scholars who came, they found that there was quite a bit of a problem with people understanding these verses, that people were now not willing to just pass them and leave them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the early people were, and that's why the early scholars just said, leave them, right? And we'll just say, we believe in Allah, that's what Allah wants from us. We'll find out on the Day of Judgment if Allah wills. The, now people wanted an interpretation. So they were seeking to find an interpretation. So now what the ulama decided is that let us provide possible, probable, suitable interpretations. At least people have got something to, uh, something correct and sound to rely on. Even though the reality only Allah knows. But we're going to give some. So that's why they started saying, 
power and so on. And actually, this is something not just later scholars did. Some of the early Sahaba did that as well, like Abdullah ibn Abbas. Anhu. So inshallah, I'll discuss this in a bit more detail tomorrow. But it's a very, very important discussion. And I, I, I would assume that many of you, if you've not, not heard the debate, you've definitely, um, uh, if, you, if you don't know the debate, you've definitely heard about it. And inshallah, this will be your... Uh, you, your opportunity to actually learn more about it. So inshallah, we'll look at this again tomorrow in more detail. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our Ramadans and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with the Quran and allow us to uh, uh, get a better approach and understanding for it and protect us from crookedness in its understanding. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.